So we have begun a new series looking at some of the prophecies from the Old Testament that Jesus fulfilled. And we're doing this to get a greater sense of how the whole Bible holds together. We're doing this to grow in assurance as we see that God is always faithful. But most importantly, we're doing this so that we can learn more about who Jesus is and the incredible things that he achieved. Last time, we saw how Jesus is the one that God promised would come into the world to defeat evil. Jesus is God's victor. This time, we're going to see how Jesus is also God's prophet. So what is a prophet? A prophet is someone who speaks God's truth into the world. And whether they realise it or not, there are many people looking for a prophet in our society today. I think there are three reasons for this. The first is distress. Many of us are distressed at what is going on in the world around us. The wars in Ukraine and Gaza disturb us. Climate change is causing storms and making us less certain about the future. The cost of living crisis is leading many of us to struggle on a week-by-week -week basis. We're in distress and we want wise advice on how to respond. The second reason that people are looking for prophets is disillusionment. We're used to putting our trust in authority figures, particularly politicians. But in recent years, politics has failed us all. Just look at the revelations that came out in the COVID inquiry this week. Our leaders are either corrupt or just not very nice people. Many of us are utterly disillusioned by the very structures and people that we used to rely on. So we're beginning to look elsewhere. The third reason that people are looking for a prophet is because our world is increasingly flooded by disinformation. Facts are spun, statistics are manipulated, stories are exaggerated. We're surrounded by fake news, social media propaganda and downright lies, all produced by people trying to take advantage of us. It's been said that we live in a post-truth world. No one knows who or what they can trust anymore. So for these reasons, people are desperate to find a prophet who will speak truth into their life. We want to know who we are and what our purpose is. We want to know what is right and wrong and how to behave in today's world. We want to know what the future holds, for we are all praying that it is better than the present. But where are people going in their search for truth? I know someone who's going through a really tough time at the moment. Their relationship is in turmoil. Their mental health is suffering. They are really at a low ebb. And this person said this week, I want to see a psychic because I want to know if my life is ever going to get any better. This is someone desperately reaching out for a prophet. And many others in our community are looking in similar places for truth. 
online gurus, psychic fairs, tarot cards and tea leaves, social media influencers, celebrities, trendsetters. Maybe some of us here today have searched for truth amongst such places. But of course, in the end, these things always fail, for the truth is not in them. They let us down. They get things wrong. They prove themselves to be false prophets. And we're left to go on alone in our search for truth once more. Now, it may surprise you to hear this, but three and a half thousand years ago, in the days of our Bible reading, the situation was exactly the same. For back then, there was also distress disillusionment and disinformation. The distress came because Israel were about to enter the promised land. Now that sounds like a good thing, and indeed it was. But at the time, it was not experienced as such. Israel were about to go through a great change, and change brings uncertainty, doesn't it? And fear. When they crossed into the new land, how would the inhabitants treat them? What about the rumours they'd heard about warriors and giants and people who would attack them? What would the land be like? Would it be fertile? Would it provide for their needs? For 40 years, Israel have lived in the wilderness. They've got used to it. They have no idea what lays ahead of them. That was distressing to them. There was disillusionment as well. Why? Because Moses has just announced that he's not going with them. Moses had been their leader. He'd been their rock, their guide. All through the wilderness wanderings, the people had grown to utterly rely on him. But even Moses had messed up. Even Moses had done something that he shouldn't. And as a result, he would not cross into the new land with them. Who would the people turn to now? Who would they trust to give them good advice? And finally, there was a great amount of disinformation. Our passage began by telling us about it. Verse 14. The nations you will dispossess listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. In fact, if you open your Bibles and skim through the verses that precede the ones that we read, you will discover more about these false prophets. When Israel enter their new land, they're going to meet sorcerers and witches, mediums, spiritists, even sacrifices of children. And all these would try to tell God's people lies for their own material gain. So here were Israel, three and a half thousand years ago, needing the same advice that we do today. They needed to be reminded who they were. They needed guidance on what was right and wrong. And when things got tough, as they surely would, they needed to be assured of God's plans for them, to be given a vision of a greater future. Israel needed the truth. And with Moses on the way out, where were they going to look for it? Well, God wanted them to look only to him. In the passage that we read together, God promised his people that he would raise up someone to speak the truth to them. Listen again, in verse 15, Moses says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. 
Now there are three very important characteristics to know about the prophet that God promises here. First, this prophet has been specifically raised up by God himself. He is not self-appointed. This prophet is chosen by God. He is divinely authorised. And Moses says that this prophet will only speak the words that God directly puts in his mouth. This prophet will obey God's commands. So both his life and example are show the people God. There will be no selfish ambition here. None of the grandstanding of Donald Trump and Boris Johnson. This prophet will be known as someone who humbly wants to do God's will above his own. The second thing we learn about this promised prophet is that he will come from among his own people. He will be a fellow Israelite. God knows that his people need someone to speak the truth to them and he will provide for that need from within their own community. In other words, Israel are not to go looking for advice outside of the people of faith. For inevitably, in a land full of sorcerers and witches and spiritists, they're going to get led astray. And still today, it is dangerous for people of faith only to seek advice from non-Christians. They are just not going to provide what we need. Finally, Moses says that the prophet God promises to send into the world will, in a way, be like him. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. Now, what did Moses mean by that? Well, actually, he meant something very specific. Moses knew that the prophet to come would be a mediator between God and the people. As a church, we've just finished a series looking at the Ten Commandments. Do you remember how those commandments were given to Israel? Israel had journeyed through the wilderness and they'd reached the foot of Mount Sinai. And at Mount Sinai, God turned up in person. Now for the average Israelite, this was a terrifying experience. When God came down on the mountain, there was fire and smoke, there was thunder and lightning, there was earthquakes, there was loud trumpets blasting. The people huddled together at the bottom of the mountain thought they were about to die. And they were so scared, they asked Moses to pass on God's word to them because they were afraid of what might happen if this mighty God spoke directly to them. And in verses 17 and 18 of our reading, we find out that actually God was pleased with that request. It demonstrated to him that at last his people were taking his holiness seriously. So God called Moses to be the mediator that the people required. Moses was called up the mountain to have a conversation face to face with God. God gave him the commandments and then he went back down the mountain to teach them to the people. This is how Moses operated for the next 40 years. He was the go-between between God and the people. He was the relayer of God's truth and teaching. And here in this passage, Moses declares that God is going to send a prophet who would do just the same. 
So this is God's promise to Israel. He knows that they need to hear the truth and he's going to provide the means for this to happen. God is going to raise up a prophet from among Israel who would mediate and intercede for them in a similar way to what Moses had done. Now just in case you're not that familiar with the Old Testament, let me tell you what happens next. Israel did indeed enter the promised land. And for the next thousand years, God provided prophets to speak to his people. You will know some of their names. Elijah, Elisha, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, and so on. These prophets spoke God's word as God directed them to do. Sometimes they accompanied this word with dramatic signs as truth, a proof of truth of what they were saying. They passed on important messages to the people there and then. But here is the tragedy. Sadly, so often in Israel's history, the people ignored the prophets that God sent them. And as they rejected God's word, they turned instead to sin, and they ended up engaging in all sorts of unjust practices as a result. And just as God promised to do in verse 19 of our reading, God called them to account for their bad behavior. And as a result, Israel go into exile. And after that, nations come and take over their land. First the Greeks and then the Romans. Israel learned the hard way that when God speaks, it needs to be listened to. So the years pass and we reach the beginning of the New Testament. And in that time, Israel have become eager for another prophet. For under Roman rule, Israel have come to experience everything that we began this sermon by talking about. The people are in distress. The Roman army has crushed them and left the land in ruins. The people are disillusioned. Because Caesar is now ruling their lives, not a Jewish king. In fact, Israel are not free at all. And the land is flooded with disinformation. Caesar has even proclaimed himself God in order to demand the people's affection. Israel have become desperate to hear God's truth once more. They need to be reminded who they are. They need to be guided on how to live. And they need the assurance that God is still in control and the future is going to get better. Israel yearned for a prophet to come and tell them these things. Now, as we read the New Testament, it quickly becomes clear that within this predicament, Israel hold on tightly to these words of Deuteronomy 18. They were not just waiting for any old prophet they were waiting for the prophet, the prophet like Moses, who had been promised to them. Let me give you an example of this. In the early days of Jesus' ministry, the crowd started questioning who he was. And in John 6.14, we read this. After the people saw the signs that Jesus performed, they began to say, Surely this is the prophet who is to come into the world. Can you see? This expectation had grown that God would indeed send a prophet 
greater than any other. A prophet who would provide the teaching that they really needed. And in Jesus, some of them began to think that they'd found him. And of course, they were right. Jesus was the fulfillment of Moses' prophecy. Jesus was the fulfillment of Deuteronomy 18, the word spoken 1,500 years before his birth. Moses had said that this great prophet would be raised up by God. He'd be divinely appointed. Just listen to what the father said over Jesus at his transfiguration. A voice comes from the cloud and says, This is my son, whom I love. I am well pleased with him. Listen to him. Jesus himself stated again and again that he only spoke the words that the Father had given him. He only did the actions that the Father had shown him. He only taught what the Father had taught him. Jesus was appointed by God and was God. Moses had also said that the great prophet would come from God's people. He would be an Israelite. Well, the Gospels are at pains to state that this is true. Matthew and Luke include genealogies to show the direct link between Jesus and King David, Jesus and Abraham. Jesus was a Jew. He was the fulfillment of God's promises to the Jews. And Moses said that the great prophet to come would be a mediator between God and the people. Well, of course, this is where Jesus comes into his own. This is where Jesus is so much more than Moses could ever possibly have imagined. Because yes, Jesus did bring words from the Holy God to the people. He did demonstrate God in action. He made God visible in human form. But he also mediated for the people once and for all through his blood shed on the cross. At Mount Sinai, the people were terrified of God's holiness. They were afraid of his judgment coming on their lives. As followers of Jesus, we don't need to fear that at all. Because through Jesus we are forgiven and brought into the presence of God. We can rest with him both now and forevermore. So Jesus fulfills these characteristics that Moses said the great prophet would demonstrate. But he also passed the test that Moses laid out. <clears throat> In Deuteronomy 18, Moses told the people how to test whether a prophet is true or not. Remember, when they entered their new land, they would come across all sorts of frauds and phonies speaking nonsense. Moses said, you can tell a true prophet because their words come true. In the gospel, Jesus invites us to test everything on one truth. He declared that he was going to be put to death and three days later, he would rise again. This really is the acid test. If Jesus stayed dead after the cross, he is a fake and a liar. If Jesus rises again, everything he said was true. And of course, on that first Easter Sunday, Jesus did rise again. 
And it was proof that he is everything he said he was. And every word he'd ever spoken was God's truth. He passed the test that Moses laid out. And it was on seeing the resurrection that in the early chapters of Acts, we get the likes of Peter and Stephen urging the people to see that Jesus really was the prophet that Moses had promised. Everything had come true, exactly as God said it would. So far, this sermon has been quite theoretical. I've been trying to show you how God kept his word, how his promise came true, even after 1,500 years. And I hope that we are further reassured by God's faithfulness. But I want to finish briefly by getting practical. In the prophecy given by Moses, the father said this about Jesus. You must listen to him. I myself will call to account anyone who does not listen to my words that the prophet speaks in my name. So what did Jesus say? What is it that we have to listen to today? Well, there's lots, obviously, but there are three things that I want us to think about. First, Jesus declared the way of salvation. John 5, 24, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life. They will not be judged, but will cross over from death to life. Jesus, the great prophet, taught the way of salvation. We are to see what he did at the cross and believe he did it for us. We're to confess our sin and turn to him. We are to invite God into our lives. And if we do that, God will lead us through death to eternal life. If we ignore Jesus' teaching, we are heading for eternal death. Second, Jesus taught us how to live our lives to the max, how to get the most out of them. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount is the key practical text for this. It teaches us how to deal with anger and lust and marriage and charity and prayer and anxiety and so much more. The Sermon on the Mount contains advice for every aspect of our lives. If we listen to it and put it into practice, our lives will stand strong in the storms. If we ignore it, our lives will fall flat like a house built on sand facing storm Kieran from this last week. Finally, Jesus taught us what is to come. My friend wanted to see a psychic to see if their life would get any better. Well, nothing is better than what Jesus declared was ahead for those who love him. One day he's coming back to this world. And on that day, all sin and evil will be removed and all will be put right. A new heavens and a new earth will begin War and suffering will be no more. Peace and joy will reign forever. And Jesus, the great prophet, told us to watch and be ready for that day. For no one would want to miss out on it. Everything else Jesus said came true. So we can be certain that that will come true as well. So what is the practical response to hearing that Jesus is the great prophet, the great truth speaker into our lives? Well, we confess our sin and turn to him in faith. 
We try to live out his practical guidance for daily life. And we make ourselves ready for his return. Jesus always speaks the truth. Let us listen and respond.